Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. We're headed into Christmas, and I, I, I preached last year a series called Heaven Can't Wait, and the fact is that heaven's not some big waiting room, and, you know, we're all kind of go up there and then sit around with all the other saints making small talk or something like that, but, but heaven's waiting for, for us to do something. We sang an amazing song about heaven just recently, and, 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 and heaven's waiting on us to do something, and the saints are up there like a great cloud of witnesses, the Bible says in Hebrews, are compassed about, you know, waiting for us to do the stuff that they did, and they're seated up there now with him, and, and, it's, our, and it's our turn, you know, tap, you're it, and, and I, I take that, and I think, wow, that's, that's incredible that it's our turn now, all the saints before, Peter, James, John, you know, Rebecca, Naomi, and everybody else, they've all gone before us, they ran their race, they did their thing, you know, it was their turn, they grabbed a hold of it, ran with it, and like a relay race, it's like, tap, it's your turn. And that, that really excites me, the fact that we, don't, we get to do the stuff. Isn't that excitable? I mean, he doesn't do it for us because that would just spoil it. He does it through us. And, and, and we get to do all the stuff that we want to do. And God's anointed us. He's given us uh, incredible favor and incredible calling. And he's, and he's positioned us perfectly to do this stuff. And Christmas time is such an opportunity because people are going to sing about Jesus Christ. They're going to have Christmas carols and, you know, lots of programs going on. And, and, and they're more open than any time during the whole year probably, even maybe even more than Easter, to come to church. So that's why we've got these opportunities. On, on the 15th, we'll have some, uh, you know, a bit more of the Christmas message. And then the 22nd is our family Christmas. We've got Christmas Eve uh, on the 24th. Those are big opportunities. In a couple of weeks, we've got uh, Jeremy Fowler, who I've uh, plugged before. But, you know, Jeremy has gone to Hollywood, and he's uh, doing some amazing things. He's got some great uh, testimonies to tell about how God's using him and his new wife, Emma. And uh, so they're going to be here in the morning and the night. We're going to have uh, Kevin, Heaven Can't Wait uh, worship with Jeremy uh, at night. That's going to be just an incredible time. So, you know, take advantage of these things, not just to attend, because church isn't just some event like, you know, that you attend kind of free entertainment or something. These are opportunities for, uh, for people that don't know Jesus, as well as us saints, to experience uh, the presence and the power of God and to hear that God is moving in, in people's lives. So let's avail ourselves. Let's really make a, an intentional effort to bring people to all the things that we have on, the dinner parties, all in. Every single thing that we have, we do it on purpose. We do it with intention. Uh, it's not to fill time, kill time, get everybody busy, you know, wear everybody out. These are just opportunities for somebody to meet Christ. Amen? And they're not going to meet them unless we bring them. So let's just be intentional with that. Well, this morning, I want to, uh, uh, I don't know, it'll probably be a series called Carrying Christ. Carrying Christ as kind of a series. Uh, thinking about leading into Christmas and leaning in, uh, I can't help but to feel when I see women that are carrying babies. <laughs> and of course, you know, thinking about Mary carrying the Christ child, I think, what would that have been like? Like, was he a big baby? How many pounds did he weigh? You know, the Bible doesn't tell us, you know, how big 
uh, Jesus was when he was born and how big Mary got or how small she was carrying him. And, you know, I picture her as maybe slight of built and, you know, Jesus, big, big baby, big boy, uh, you know, and, and she's carrying Christ. But the truth is, so are you. All of us are Christ carriers. And so this morning, uh, in part of what I hope would be a series, uh, I want to talk about posturing yourself. There's a posture that we have, and I, I'm, a, I'm a people watcher. I, I, I'm interested in people, and probably, you know, my number one hobby in going to bigger cities is to, you know, sit there and just watch all these people, even airports. Like, uh, you can get bored at an airport, but... But there's so many people doing so many things from all these different countries. And when you get, especially when you travel internationally, you can just sit there and watch people. I could watch people all day. And what I, what I watch about people tells me, their posture tells me a lot about them. So I think about head back, shoulders back, head up. And I think, now there's somebody that's got some confidence. And of course, the opposite is probably true as well. When I think about the posture of God, there's certain words that come to mind that often don't seem to, in, in, in the natural, you wouldn't use these, these words uh, together, like, you know, confident humility. Confident and humility? Do they go together? Yeah, they go together, and I believe that they would describe the posture of Jesus. What would Jesus look like? If you watched him in the crowd walking past and you didn't know it was Jesus, would you go, oh, look at that guy. Like, he just has this confidence about him. But yet there's a humility about him. I think about powerful peace, two words that maybe don't go together. Uh, and, I, and you would see in him, you would just see that he's, man, he's such a peaceful fellow, but there's a power about him. There, there, I think about... Uh, you know, the, the word lordship, you know, leaning in, lordship love. He would have this incredible love walking past, especially if he glanced your way and you caught his eye. You, you'd think, whoa, incredible love, but there's this lordship. There's this dominance that's not dominating me to use me, but this love that's reaching out to me, these, these kind of words, I, I think they would call them oxymorons. They, they're incredible, and they describe the posture of somebody carrying Christ. So I want us to look this morning at what would the posture be like and what, what, what reposturing can we do because we are carrying, most of us here, if you've asked Jesus Christ into your heart, and Christ is not his last name, it's Christos, it's the Spirit of God. If the Spirit of God be in you, if Christ is in you, the Bible says that's the hope of glory to the world. The Bible also says, in fact, we can uh, look at the, uh, a couple of these scriptures here, but... Uh, it also says that we have this, this treasure in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. It says, but we have this treasure, this treasure of Christ in us in jars of clay. That's what we are. We're, we're jars of clay. We're made up. Our bodies are, are dirt, basically, and, and a lot of water uh, to show. Why? We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Should there not be a difference then 
in our posture as we posture ourselves as Christians carrying Christ, the creator of the universe. There should be something about us when we walk past that people would go, wow, there's something different about you. You might be small of stature. You might not be a big woman. Or you might not be a woman at all. Uh, but, you know, there's something about you that is powerful. There's something about you that just has love and dominion and peace and, and all of these things as you posture yourself in Christ. So I want to go to First Chronicles and, and chapter 13. And I want to uh, look at something here that happened in the Old Testament. The Old Testament basically is full of types and shadows, the Bible says, uh, uh, of what is to come. A shadow is something that you can, you can, you can see uh, uh, a darkness on the, on the ground or a wall or something like that. But when you're not looking at the actual subject that casts that shadow, you can tell a lot about whatever it is that, that is blocking the sun and causing or blocking the light and causing that shadow without looking at it. But it's not the substance. It's not the real thing. It's a type or a shadow. And this is a type or a shadow of carrying Christ this morning in First in, uh, Chronicles chapter 13. And David is taking, he's got the task of carrying Christ back to Jerusalem. You say, carrying Christ how? Well, if you watch Raiders of the Lost Ark, which you would, in the kingdom of the uh, Crystal Skull and other great Harrison Ford movies in that sequence, you'd see that uh, the very first one, they, they, they get the Ark of the Covenant and you know, you're just not supposed to open that thing. And if you do, if you look into it, you know, these Nazis did it in the movie, uh, spoiler alert, and, and they all melted, you know, and everything happened. Uh, and there is some truth in that. So there are two times before this incident where uh, they had the ark, the Philistines had the ark, and they took uh, the ark of the covenant, as it was called, which had in it the t uh, tablets of stone that God wrote with his finger on Mount Sinai and gave to Moses called the law. It had uh, a, a stick that, that was dead, and Aaron had it, and it budded. It came, came to life, and then it had manna. Uh, manna would only last for a day, and it was the food from heaven, but in this box, in this Ark of the Covenant, which had a golden lid called the mercy seat and, and the wings of angels that faced each other that was touching, it was where the presence of God, kind of the throne of God on earth, if you will, where God's presence is the Christos, the Christ, was to dwell. And as the uh, Philistines carried that, they carried it into their god, Dagon, and uh, and what happened there in their, in their temple was they went away and they came back and all, the, all their Dagon gods had fallen over and their palms were missing and all, all kinds of stuff started, started happening. It was just creeping these Philistines out and they realized this thing's got some power. We don't want this thing here. So they were smart enough to get rid of it. And then, uh, you know, there was another encounter where they looked into the, the, the box, if you will, and they all got destroyed like Raiders of the Lost Ark, and they were smart enough to get rid of it as well. And so it was in the house of, uh, of Abinadab, I believe it was, and, and uh, it was kept there until now David is going to take it back to Jerusalem. And so he's going to carry Christ, if you will, in verse 1 of Chronicles, First uh, Chronicles 13, David conferred with each of his officers, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds. There were 30,000 of them in all, it says in, in this account in, uh, in 1 Samuel. 
And he said to the whole assembly of Israel, this is his first mistake right here, if it seems good to you, and if it's the will of the Lord our God, should have been the opposite order, David. You, you don't get a committee about this now. You don't confer with the people first and then go to God to kind of back it up. In uh, the will of God, let us send word for far and wide to the rest of our people throughout the territories of Israel. And also the priests and the Levites, kind of like as a, a, a side note, let's just, uh, you know, let's, let's CC them in on the email as well. The priests and the Levites who are with them in their towns and pasture lands to come and join us. And let us bring the ark of God back to us. For we did not inquire of it during the reign of Saul. And David, you're not inquiring of it now. You're, you're off doing your own thing. And so the whole assembly agreed to do this because it seemed right to all the people. Do you know, the Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, <laughs> but the way therein leads to death. When we, when we come up with our own plan and we deviate away from God's plan on how to best get the gospel out and carry Christ and, you know, do church and, and not, or not just not do church, I might add, or, you know, uh, whatever it is that God has told us his procedure, his modus operandi is, and we, we deviate away from his plan. It seemed right to all the people. Verse 5, so David assembled all Israel from the Shihor River in Egypt to Labo Hamath to bring the ark of God from Kiriath Jerem. How did I go with that? I'm sure it's the incorrect pronunciation. And David and all Israel went to Bela of Judah, Kiriath Jerem, to bring up from there the ark of God, the Lord who is enthroned between the cherubim. And the ark is called by the name. Now, you know, think about that for a moment because, again, this is not just some box that doesn't matter. This, they're about to carry Christ. They're about to carry the Spirit, the presence, Almighty God. They're about to pick him up and, and take him somewhere. Think about for a moment if you were tasked to carry Jesus somewhere. You're an Uber driver, and you get the, the message, or however you get it on your app or whatever you use, you know, and, oh, look at this. Uh, I've got to go pick up Jesus. I've got to take him from here to there. Uh, you know, how are you going to do that? Are you going to farm it off to somebody else? You gonna pick, are you going to, you know, pick him up in a dirty car that doesn't work? Is it, does it matter at all? Are you going to keep, you know, the cans of, uh, of soft drink floating around in the passenger side? Like, what if you were tasked to carry Jesus somewhere? What would your attitude be? What kind of vehicle would you pick, you know? Uh, would you be, you know, get to the chopper? Would you, you know, would you put him in a, in a, in a Learjet? Like, if you were tasked to carry Jesus somewhere, because we all are, how are you going to carry him? And so they've got this box, and, and, and they're, they're looking at it as just a box, but it's not just this thing has power. And, and so it says here, they move the ark uh, from Abinadab's house to a new, uh, on a new cart with Uzzah and Ohio guide in it. Now, these two guys were part of Abinadab's house. They've, they, this is where this ark has been, this you know, this box has been in, in Abinadab's house, and these two kids are familiar with it. They, maybe they, you know, 
used it as toys growing up or something. It's very, very familiar. And, and it says they moved the ark on a new cart. And David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before God, with songs, with harps, with lyres, with timbrels, with cymbals, and trumpets. They are absolutely having the best time in praise and worship. They, you know, they got it all going on. Again, there's about 30,000 of, of David's best men, and, and, you know, they're leading this procession. David's out in front, and in the back there's this cart with the box on it. They came to the threshing floor of Kidron. Uzzah reached out his hand to steady the ark because the oxen stumbled. And the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah, and he struck him down because he had put his hand on the ark. So he died. He died there before God. And then David was angry. Kind of like us when we see something. That's that's just not fair, God. Like, well, why? You know, they were they were they went to church every week. They were they were good people. Why would they get? And they, the evil people seem to get away with everything. And then, you know, you expect this out. So David's angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, the place is called Perez Uzzah, or outbreak against Uzzah. David was afraid of God that day and asked, how can I ever bring the ark of God to me? Have you ever thought that way about the presence of God and some of, the, some of God's ways that are just like past finding out? You think, well, how, how could I ever serve God? How, how could I ever do the stuff? Like, you know, there's no formula. There's, you can't put God in a box. Like, he's, he's out on the lid of that. He's, he's out there. Like, you know, the, the creator of the universe just cannot be whittled down to a formula. And he did not take the ark to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of God remained in the family of Obed-Edom in his house for three months. And I love this. Because it tells what you get when you get the presence of God. This man, Obed-Edom, in his house, it says the Lord blessed his household and everything he had. David could have had that. Israel could have had it. It could have been in Jerusalem, city of peace, blessing that city. But instead, it's in the house of Obed-Edom. It's like for three months, I'd be like, don't take the box, man. Just keep the box here. We're doing just fine. You know, I've never seen uh, any of our family get more food, more promotion. Our crops are, are going like they're skyrocketing. Like everything's good. There's no sickness in our house. You know, this is incredible since, since the presence of God came to our house. This is incredible. But while he's getting blessed, David is missing out. People ask often, you know, why did this happen to poor Uzzah? Well, let's go, let's go on to chapter 15 in, in 1 Chronicles because the answer is here. And then we're going to look at how to posture ourselves so that we can carry Christ in our world. Verse 11 of chapter 15 of 1 Chronicles. Then David summoned Zadok and Abiathar the priest and Uriel, and Asa, Joel, Shemaiah, Eli, whatever, Abinadab, the Levites. And he said to them, you are the heads of the Levitical families. That's the priesthood. You and your fellow Levites are to consecrate yourselves 
and bring up the ark of God, of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place I have prepared for it. Verse 13. It was because of you, Levites. You did not bring it up in the first time that the Lord our God broke out in anger against us. We did not inquire of him about how to do it in the prescribed way. In other words, they got the committee, they worked it out, they decided instead of doing it God's prescribed way, we're going to put God on a cart and we're going to carry Christ on a cart. And so the priests and the Levites consecrated themselves in order to bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, and the Levites carried the ark of God with the poles on their shoulders as Moses had commanded in accordance with the word of the Lord. You see, you can't carry Christ on a cart. As a church, we got a building. We got a new air conditioner coming in on Monday, $80,000. Because the old one is like, it's like a zombie apocalypse or a, a leprosy thing. When you touch them, they just fall to powder. That's, the, that's what's going on on the roof. It's an amazing miracle that this is even cooling the room off right now. We got four of those ba- bad boys coming up on, uh, on the roof. We've got a building. We've got chairs that you're sitting in. There's lights up here. Uh, there's a guy with a microphone, you know, that's, that's, that, that's hopefully, you know, more than a rant. And, uh, you know, got all this stuff going on. Make no mistake about it. The building doesn't carry Christ. The lights don't carry Christ. The air conditioners don't carry Christ. They carry cold air. It's you that carries Christ. You can't mechanize the responsibility that God gave each one of us. Again, Christ in us. Christ in you, Colossians, the hope of glory. You are carrying Christ in you. He's not out there somewhere. There's no way we can formulize, mechanize, put God on a cart, let somebody else carry him into the community during Christmas or reach our neighbors or, 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 or reach our schools or our university or, or anything, our family, uh, our relatives. It, it's up to you and I to posture ourselves knowing that we are carrying the creator of a universe. He's never going to be put on a cart. He was meant to be carried by men, priests, and Levites, people, the Kohathites, actually, from that tribe. He was meant to be carried by that family, and, and today he is meant to be carried by the family of God. I know this is a familiar theme, and I, 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 I touch on it or, or preach on it, Frequently, as frequently as I can, because I don't believe the penny drops for most of us, including me. We need to be reminded constantly, God's not out there somewhere. You're not going to put it on the church to do the job that you're supposed to do, as in the church building or formulas or let, let these other people do it. You know, I've got my own business to get, get onto. Your business, your main business is how are you personally carrying Christ? 
How are you when you go into the marketplace, to that job that you work at, at with these people that don't know him, and, and, and into that school where you're getting an education with the school system and the teachers and, and others that don't? How are you caring? What is your posture as you carry Christ? The posture is always meant to be carried by people. And so to correctly carry Christ, we have to posture ourselves. Now, I'm going to give five areas here on how we can posture ourselves. And, and, and I would like you to think about these because we're going to have communion at the end and we're going to uh, have a, a time of reposturing, if you will, where we can make some corrections to our posture. A few years ago, somebody that's uh, a, a medical person that I know, they observed me and they said, man, like, you're all hunched over. Something's wrong with your posture, which tells me something's going on with you. And I said, yeah, I'm in a lot of pain. I had two uh, ruptured discs in my cervical spine and my neck. Uh, I was on painkillers. Uh, you know, I couldn't do any exercises or anything like that. And I had been very, you know, you know, very athletic, so to speak, very fit. And, and there I was kind of hunched over. You know, I was a lot younger than now, and they, they noticed that. And so I went to physio, and I, I did get an operation to, to fix, uh, fix my neck. And, and then part of the physio treatment was to reposture me by doing back exercises and, and, and working out my back and, and, and focusing on my posture as I was sitting at a desk reading, the, you know, studying the Bible or doing, you know, paperwork or whatever it was. It was to get up and actually reposture myself, pull my shoulders back, purposely develop those muscles in the back and pull everything back. And the headaches went away and the pain went away, you know, and it was just glorious for me to reposture myself uh, in a way that, you know, I could be pain-free and carry myself better. How are you with your posture for Christ? Now, these are things that I, I want to ask, and, and uh, these are things that I believe we need to reposture. Firstly, in, in your thinking. They thought they had a better way to carry Jesus than God's way. So think for a moment how God wants to be carried in the community, your family, and, and you. Do you know how God wants to do that, or do you have a better way of doing it? Do you think that maybe your way is smarter and, and your way is, you know, there isn't any better way than God's way. And the first thing I believe in reposturing is, is we've got to get our thinking lined up with his thinking. Thinking like, God is for me. God's not against me. I can see somebody that needs reposturing because, again, they might not be physically hunched over, but you can just tell that they don't really believe God is for them. They think God's out to get them. They think God's a hard taskmaster. They, they think that they've stuffed it up. They think that there's no hope for them. They don't understand that God wants to, God calls them righteous or a right standing. It means you can stand with your, with your shoulders back and your head held high because of Christ in you, what Jesus Christ has done for you. He has become my righteousness. So I don't have to try to prove it, work it up, put God on a cart somehow. I can understand that God is my righteousness, and he's in me. Christ in me is the only hope of glory. And so our thinking has to line up with God's word. Christ doesn't leave me desperate even though I'm full of shortcomings. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, but you don't understand. You know, I, I lost it the other day, and, you know, I stuffed up. I, I, I tripped, and, you know, and, and I, you, whatever you did, 
you know, repent of it for sure, but God hasn't left you. He's in you, not because of your goodness. He doesn't leave me despite my shortcomings. His love for you is unconditional. Do you understand that? It's not based on conditions. I will love you if. You know, some people do that with marriage. They do it with, quote, unquote, friends. But he's a, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. No, nobody has any greater love than this than to lay down their life. Not just for a friend, but for an enemy. So while you were still enemies of Christ, he died for you. So what, what do we do? We, we have the mind of Christ. Get God's thoughts on the matter and quit coming up with your own plan or listening to the devil's plan and, and, and inventing another way. Ditch your double-mindedness and tap into God's plan and reposture yourself in your thinking. Number two, if you're taking notes, we need to reposture ourselves in our expectations. There's something about someone that's carrying a baby called a mother that's expecting there's just, there's just a glow about her. And I know the devil's tried to curse that and, you know, make it a curse word and come up with all these things, you know, and killing babies. But you, you can see a woman that's following God that's pregnant, and there's just an aura about her. It's like a, well, something special is going on here because she's expecting. When David quit expecting then he got rid of it, the box, to Abinadab, and, and Abinadab got blessed. He was expecting, I'm sure. If Jesus is Lord of all, we need to be bigger dreamers of dreams. The Lord of the universe, the Lord of all is in you. How big might your dream want to be? Do you understand? Your thinking needs to change, but your expectation needs to change. If God expects it, God will resource it. Sometimes our brain goes, but how is that going to work? Mary did that at Christian. I don't understand. How am I going to get pregnant? The Lord, the Most High, is going to overshadow. Don't worry about that. It's going to happen. Let the dream in your heart that's coming from God in you, Christ in you, as you carry him, let that dream free. Let it come up. Let it hit your head. Let your head, your brain go, ah! Let it fry that instead of getting fried as a, you know. Let, let your brain, let it not cope with it. Let it explode in, into your imagination. Do not prohibit or inhibit through poor posture in your expectation. Be expecting something amazing. Last week, we preached a message uh, on not having jet lag. Get your thinking in the place that you're heading and set your watch where you're going to. You won't get jet lag. Set your watch. Set your schedule on heaven. Start to think, what are they doing in heaven? Let it be done on earth. Let my expectation soar. Of course God wants to bless you. Of course God wants his people in that workplace. Of course God wants us in the community. Of course, of course, of course, and why not? In fact, go a step further and go, why not me? Let it be. Mary had the sense. She said, let it be according to your word. Let it be unto me. God will resource it if you just expect it. Number three, we need to reposition ourselves or reposture ourselves, rather, in relationships. David goes on, he parties like he's just out there giving it, like he's taking his clothes off down to his 
underwear. You know, he's just like, when, when finally when the ark gets to Jerusalem and David and all his crew get to Jerusalem, he is just so overwhelmed with joy and celebration just breaks out. Then he's got this wife named Michael. Now, that's, that should tell you something right there. Uh, and she's looking. She goes, how undignified. The king of Israel making a fool of himself. And she's, you know, got this big scowl on her face. She's just looking at him. You are, you are an embarrassment. Look, just look at you. Dancing like that. All the young girls are watching you, showing off your eight-pack and all the rest of it, you know. Look at you. She's upset. Religion always gets upset at celebration of freedom. It just doesn't, you know, religion hates it. What are they, you know, those happy, clappy people down at the church there celebrating that guy up there with the guitar dancing around and, you know, the drums and, you know, lights. And all. What do you think this is, a disco? Maybe you need to go to the disco. You know, lighten up. Come on. Reposture yourself. Throw your hands in the air. Do something different for a change. But we need to reposition. We need to reposture in relationships. So what relationships do you have where Jesus isn't invited right now? You know, you go there physically. He's in you. No, 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 no. He's not invited to come out in any way or display his brightness, his glory or joy or celebration in any way. Who's the friend that you are now trying to please more than Jesus? Maybe you need to reposition a few relationships. Come out of the closet. Let people know. I'm carrying Christ, man. Why, why are you so happy? Why are you smiling? Why, why are you, you know, have you been drinking coming to work now, man? Haven't had a drink, but if you do, okay, you know, but still let it out. Is Christ in me? I got the creator of the universe in me. He's coming out. He burst out with a smile, with a song, with some joy. Not sour down in the mouth like sour grapes. Number four, I got two more of these, and then we're gonna um, we're gonna have a posture correcting correction time called communion. Number four is in your commitment. There's there's no convenience in carrying Christ. You can't carry him, as I said, on a cart. There's no cruise control, if you will, in carrying Christ. Commit your ways to Him. If you're called according to His purpose, Christ in you will give you incredible purpose. They carried the ark on a cart because they were lazy and it wasn't convenient. So their, their, their commitment just wasn't there. But God doesn't do lazy. He doesn't do, you know, carts and mechanized stuff. He chose you to be committed to the cause, his cause, above your cause. They thought, we'll do it our way. Let, let the church, let something else carry him. And, and it doesn't work. You are responsible as a priest of God to carry Christ with you everywhere. I think I've bombed that target, but get your commitment. Number five, uh, the fifth way to uh, reposture yourself is in your character. When your character contradicts the character of Christ, there's always consequences. See, Uzzah got fried because he forgot the rules 
of holiness and respect and honor to God. If you go back, and we won't do that, but if you go back in Exodus and look at the commandment that Moses gave about that whole thing, the ark was supposed to be covered up. Nobody was supposed to touch it. It was holy. It was like there's there's the presence of God. Like you don't, you just don't mess with the presence of God. You know, you don't disrespect God. You you, you honor God, and, and there's a, a holiness that I, I believe that you know the churches today have just lost it in a, in a big way, and wonder where's the power and why is this happening? You know, because we don't respect, we don't honor God with our with our presence, with you know our, our you know showing up late to stuff, wagging everything. You know, come on, God's God, man. He's God. You you got to be committed, and, and you. You've also got, you know, honor God. Honor God with your character. There are consequences when you don't honor God with your character. It's never going to be convenient. We want to follow our own plans because our plans are convenient. Let's face it. We'd rather carry on instead of carrying him. We all know about what's wrong. So let's just carry him and not care, quit carrying on, quit getting tired because God in you is not tired realize that God doesn't make mistakes. We do. We think we have a better way other than his way. Newsflash, we don't. His way is the right way. I want you to stand with me. We're going to close. We're going to take communion right now. We're going to do that song about heaven. There's a second song. I'm just going to ask you a couple questions, maybe three or four or five. How's your posture right now? Close your eyes. Let's get real. Somebody said about our church, I come there because you're authentic and you're real. And I, I said, thank you. I hope it stays that way. We don't do pretend. We don't do religion. There's only one way, and it's being real and being authentic. So how's your posture right now? Are you committed to your cause or his cause? Which are you committed to more? Are you living for him, with him, or without him? It's okay, you know, be honest. We're going to have posture correction time called communion and prayer in a, in a moment. Where does your, where does your character contradict his character? Maybe you're thinking, man, it's just too much for me to even list it. It's just overwhelming. It's okay. Start with something. Where do you go where Jesus isn't invited? He's in you. When you go to work, when you go to family picnics, barbecues, sporting events, Friends, Christian friends, church people, where where do you go where Jesus isn't invited to come out, display his glory, his joy, for you to be a witness and a light? And then lastly, do your expectations represent the Christ, the Lord of the universe, the creator of all things? Do your expectations represent him? what he could do with you, a jar of clay. How good is God? Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. 
If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.